I better get started. We've been in the, I got a lot to say this morning. We've been in the series of faith, uh, and I believe the Lord has led us to close out the series of the paradoxes. We went through seven weeks, and so we'll move the series of faith to Sunday night. And um, I've learned a lot this past week, but I learned a lot uh, the amounts of history in that country, and a lot of history about the Bible that we have in our laps this morning. Uh, men who have held it high, but now I see the position of the amazing country of Scotland. As I've just mentioned, uh, there's not much gospel, there's not much Bible, there's not many preachers. And I want to say this morning that America's heading in the same exact direction. America's headed in the same exact If If preachers keep swaying and keep compromising, we'll see it in our day today. And I believe that. But really in our, our daily lives, we have choices uh, that uh, must be made that could affect us uh, um, for the rest of our lives and for all of eternity. And the choices you make every day, friends, uh, and the choices you make and I make every single day, uh, um, maybe music or clothing or television or internet browsing, etc., etc., may seem small on the surface, but reality, those things could change the course of our lives. And just as it did... In Scotland, and so your decisions, uh, the decisions that people make about um, sex and drugs and alcohol and things of that nature, will change the life, their lives, and our lives in many ways uh, that you can't begin to imagine at the beginning, at the surface of it. We cannot begin to imagine now, our spiritual decisions as Christians are the most important of all. If you would turn with me to First Kings in chapter number twenty-one this morning. 1 Kings chapter number 21. Try to find my text there. Um, 1 Kings chapter number 21. And you can stand and reverence the word of God together. If you listen good, I'll try to preach good and do the will of the Lord this morning for our lives. But our spiritual decisions are the most important important thing. Uh, Think about it. Will we live godly? Will we live a godly life? Will we place His will above all things in, your, in our lives, will we pray? Will we read our Bible? Will we be a witness for Christ? Uh, we will bet, uh, uh, be a place, a part, uh, will we be a part of making a difference in this world uh, today? Uh, in our text, we see a man by the name of Naboth. That's what you'll see him as. And a decision is placed before him that um, affected it was literally a life or, life or death situation and decision. If he gives up, if he gives it up, he'll live. If he decides to stand up and keep what he has, he'll die. The will of God does not always get done. If it did get done, every man would get saved. The plan of God cannot be changed. But in this life for Naboth here, Naboth had decisions to make that changed his life. And so I want you to notice with me in verse four, first, first four verses. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, 
that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near to my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seems good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. There ain't no way I'm giving that thing to you. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. He laid him down upon his bed, turned away his face, and would eat no bread. Thank you for standing. Lord, we love you. We ask your God to help us this morning. We pray, God, that you would just bless the service, Lord. Lord, help me to preach in a timely manner. But, Lord, help me to get across what you have laid on my heart. We'll bless your name this morning for all that you do. And we pray, God, that you'd help your people, encourage them, Lord, exhort them this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this text this morning, we found a man by the name of Naboth. We found a man by the name of Ahab. Uh, and uh, we know about them a little bit. Um, but we cut, but because, all because of the wicked king and the wicked queen, uh, uh, as some people call him, Bill and Hillary Clinton, as they call them in the Bible. But that's just how it is. But, but it's Ahab and Jezebel here, uh, because of these wicked kings and the king and this queen, there are some decisions uh, that must be made uh, in their lives that will be that in Naboth's life. There will be a death or it will be a life. It does not matter. There is no in-between. It's going to be one or it's going to be the other. And there are some decisions in our lives uh, that will determine those same things oftentimes as well. And I want to exhort you this morning as I preach on this thought. I will not give up what I have. I will not give up what I got. That's actually what it is, whichever way you want to say it. I will not give up what I have. God. Uh, I want you to notice three things with me and I'll try to be done quickly. Notice the number one. And, and it came to pass uh, after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite uh, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So he, I want you to notice a few things about that. He, I want you to notice his the commitment to uh, of Naboth, the commitment of Naboth. So I want you to notice the commitment uh, to his uh, he had to his possession. Uh, so the commitment he had to his possession. The Bible says uh, that Naboth had a vineyard. Uh, this was Naboth's vineyard. This vineyard had been passed down to him by his fathers. Uh, um, you know, it had been in his family uh, since Israel had been given. Uh, possession of the promised land. Here they are at this point of time and this land had been in the family for generations prior to Naboth. And here he is. It was more than his inheritance. It was his heritage. He had this in his land. It was clearly good land too. If you look on it and you study it a little bit and you read about it, you'll find it must have been good land because somewhere along the way, the king of Samaria had built his palace next door to it. Here he is on this place. It must be good land. It must be. It must have been. But it must have been the best area in town, wouldn't you think? It must have been the best place. It must have been a place for a king. It must have been fit for a king. 
It must have been good ground. Uh, but he had commitment uh, to his possession. Uh, Naboth had a vineyard. And then secondly, uh, uh, his commitment to his profession. Uh, now, uh, Naboth worked his vineyard. Uh, he grew a fruit to provide a living uh, for his family and himself. Uh, this is no easy task. Uh, I've done it before. Uh, I'd say he probably uh, done a good job at maintaining his vineyard. Uh, wouldn't you think so? Uh, because uh, his uh, his vineyard caught the eyes uh, of the king here. Uh, as Naboth, uh, excuse me, as Ahab passed by in his chariot, uh, he must have admired the well-tended land, uh, the well-tender land, uh, the beautification of that land, uh, of that vineyard and the splendor within it. Uh, and I want you to think about it. I believe... Uh, it must have been evident uh, that Naboth had spent his days uh, out there working uh, to beautify this vineyard, uh, to get this to a good place that he had well taken care of uh, this vineyard. Uh, and so, friend, I tell you the truth is, uh, he had a profession on this vineyard, uh, and friends, we need to take advantage uh, of what we have been given. Uh, man, don't take services like this for granted. Uh, don't take things like this for for granted, thank God uh, for your Bible, for your church, uh, for your pastor, for your salvation. Uh, learn to worship God uh, and learn to praise Him for what He has given you. Uh, you could be steeped in religion, uh, in Catholicism, Mormonism, Buddhism, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, whatever you be, whatever it may be. But you're not, though. Uh, you're sitting in an independent Baptist church this morning uh, with a King James Bible in your lap. Uh, you had the right music sung this morning. Uh, you have preaching and I'd say uh, like Naboth, we have an obligation uh, to take what we have been given uh, and make the best of it for the glory of God. Uh, that's what we need to do. If our vineyard uh, is well taken care of uh, and it's fruitful, the Lord might use it uh, to catch the eye of a lost world. Amen. Just as He did Ahab. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men. Let me see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5 and verse 16. I need to back up for a minute. He had a profession and it was his commitment to stick to that profession. He also had a possession and it was his commitment to stick to that possession. I did not apply that. I didn't give an application for that. But I'd sure enough like to. And just so you know, we have a vineyard. We have a vineyard. You and I have been given a wonderful inheritance uh, by those who have gone before us. Uh, surely, we sure, sure, we did not uh, get to, to experience it all growing up, uh, but we have been privileged to sit under greatest men of God. We have been privileged to sit under the greatest men of God in the last few years. What about Jimbo Seaton? I'm not raising up men. But I'm just telling you the truth. We have been privileged to sit on the greatest men of God, uh, Brother Seton uh, and Brother, Brother Jackson and Brother Kirkendall uh, and, uh, and all of these men. Brother Morgan, you got to sit under him the other day. Uh, and we didn't get to sit under Sammy Allen, but we did get to sit under uh, Stanley Ballou uh, and Brother Ballou and all of these men that were raised up. Uh, we have had a blessing upon our lives. Amen. It's no incident that you're here today. You know, this church is clearly good land. Amen. 
The Lord sustained it for all of these years uh, and remained it, allowed it to remain standing for all these years so you uh, and so I could get into something good. Uh, I tell you, I'd say we have a rich inheritance. Uh, but when we stop to think about what we had this morning, uh, the Word of God, no fashion preaching and spirit-filled worship uh, and holy living, etc., etc., it's easy to see that we've been given a precious possession for our kids to have a good we have a good possession. He was committed to his possession. You better be committed to your possession. You better be committed to your profession. Also, if we look at it, his commitment to his protecting. Now, I want you to understand this. Think about it. Sure, the land was his, but it wasn't his for long. It was his to work at that time. <coughs> but more importantly, it was his to protect. Now, now he had the responsibility to make sure that this land would uh, be handed down to his children and to their children and from generation to generation. Uh, and Naboth was to protect this land. Uh, that's what he was to do. If he failed uh, in his generation, the next generation would have nothing to inherit. Uh, he would not be able to pass anything down uh, and they would have nothing to pass on to their children. Uh, and here he is. He was uh, surely committed to protecting this this vineyard, uh, we can note again here. I tell you, I believe there's a word of application for us. Beloved, uh, we have been charged with protecting uh, the things of God. We've been charged for protecting the Word of God, uh, the Spirit-filled preaching, the old-fashioned praise and worship, uh, the old past. We're protecting them. We're sustaining them. We're doing it with the Word of God. Uh, and we're helping the Lord. Uh, and we don't need our help. Uh, but the Lord has used us in a magnify His name above all names. Uh, and I tell you, it's the thing about it is we must uh, continue on. Uh, we must continue on in the God-honoring music. Uh, because that junk out there is wicked, friend. Uh, holiness, separation. Uh, we must keep it alive that we can pass it to them uh, in the next generation. It's getting smaller and smaller crowd. Little eyes are watching you. Amen. It's not too early for us to step up. Amen. Take a look over the vineyard. Take a look over the vineyard today. And, and, and you know, get in there. Get in there. We must get in there. Work it. Protect it. Preserve it. Uh, so the next generation will have something uh, to inherit. It is a few uh, and far in between uh, in my generation. But we must stand up. God's way is for us to do that. To pass it on to that. You said, where's that from? Second Timothy. Chapter number 2. Verse number 2, the Bible says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That word commit means to pass on. It means to pass the torch. It means to hand it to one uh, to another. We have what we have because the last generation passed it down to us. Uh, thank God for preachers. Uh, thank God for parents. Uh, you say my parent, my preacher nor my parent wasn't in. Uh, they didn't get it but praise God you are and that's what you need to be worried about this morning. The committed manner of Naboth. Secondly I want you to notice the convenient moment for Naboth. The Bible says, And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near to my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I'll give thee the worth of it in money. 
Think about this. One day, here's Naboth. He's working out in his vineyard, uh, and a man walks up to him. You think he knows who he is? I'm sure he does. <coughs> this man walks up to him and just happens to be King Ahab. Uh, and so he comes over from the palace, and he odds an offer to make for Naboth. And he wants to buy Naboth's vineyard. And, you know, I I want to look at this wicked king's offer for a minute and see uh, how this opportunity could seem so convenient for Naboth, uh, but really it was just an if moment. It was, you get what I'm saying by that? It was just an if moment. If, if I'll give you that. I can give you that, but I I don't know if I will. It's chances is more or less. So I want you to notice a convenient moment for Naboth. I I believe it was a grand convenience. Uh, You must understand this. Think about it. This offer came from the king himself, right? Uh, um, You know, who could refuse such an offer? From a king. This king held a lot of power. This king had a lot of of influence. uh, And people typically did as the king requested, by the way. So it's a grand convenience. Sure enough, it's for a king. Uh, it's also a genuine convenience. Now you must understand, uh, Ahab wanted the vineyard because it was close to him. He wanted the vine- vineyard because it was close to him. This, that's not unreasonable, would you say? I don't believe it's unreasonable at all. He wanted to plant himself an herb garden there, and it was close by. He could work the ground himself. He would give the king pleasure. It would give the king exercise. It would give the king enjoyment. It was a very genuine thing to ask of him. It wasn't unreasonable. It was grand. It was, it was genuine. It was also it was a gainful convenience. Now you must understand this. This offer would have given Naboth the opportunity to better himself. It would have. He would have been given a better piece of land or he could have named the price and the king would have jumped on it and given him cash for the property in that time. But I believe we can note here. I believe most preachers, most people would have jumped at this and on this offer like this. You know, it would have pleased the king. It would have brought profit to Naboth. And I'm sure on first thought... This would make good sense. But Naboth didn't see any of it as good. He saw what was really going on here. But it was a grand, it was genuine, it was gainful. He could have gained from this. But it was also a grievous convenience. Now I want you to notice this. If you read on to the end of the chapter, you'll find his motives displeased the Lord. Now, now Ahab wanted to buy the land and plow up the vineyard and plant his own. He wanted to destroy everything that Naboth's fathers and Naboth had worked for for so many years. Ahab wanted to erase all the work of Naboth, all his work, all his heritage, all his inheritance. He wanted to get rid of it. And I tell you, friend, there is sure enough an application here. If you, In your life and in my life, we're going to receive a lot of offers of convenience. We're going to receive a lot of offers of convenience and easy uh, and easy believism uh, and all this stuff from the girlfriend who says ah if you love me you will from the boyfriend who says if you love me you will uh, to the friend who says oh come on everybody's doing it uh, that is what it is today friend uh, I want to help you uh, and I want you to see that everything that looks great uh, as a great opportunity is it thank God 
Let me just say this. I'm going to preach a few advice words to you this morning. I know, we, I know the crowd we got in here, but the Lord laid on my heart. I'm going to be obedient to Him. Don't give up what you got regardless of who does the asking. Yeah, man. Regardless of who does the asking, someone who asks you to do something that violates your conscience or the Word of God, friend, I tell you, they are not your friend. Choose the people you hang out with. Very careful. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. It's as simple as it is. A good friend will make a good friend out of you. A bad friend will make a bad friend of you. It's just as simple as that. Friend, I don't care if they're family or whatever they are. We must have a line. Right? We must have a line. Who we hang out with, we must have a line for it. Because if we don't have a line, where does it stop? Right? That's how a lot of people are. They say, well, 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 that's not talking about just every preacher. Every preacher, you know, that's talking about a pastor can't be double married. I know this is running a little rabbit. I'm going to catch it. Hold on. That's just a pastor that can't be double married. You know, it says a bishop. That's just a pastor that can't be double married. No, 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 it's not. Because if we put it on preachers uh, and say preachers can be double married, where does the line stop? They can only be married two times. No, that, what, the Bible doesn't say that. It says a husband and one wife. Where does the line stop? There has to be a line somewhere. Where is the line? My point in this life, friend, is that there has to be a line. And wherever the line is, if you give up on this, there has to be a line. What are you going to do? Well, it's okay if they do it one time. Where's the line? Where's the line? I tell you, don't give up regardless of who is asking. Don't give up what you got just to please the crowd. Amen. Sometimes it's better to stand alone than it is to stand with the crowd. You know it was the crowd at the cross of Calvary that said crucify him. It was the crowd that said, crucify him the day Jesus died. There were just a few who stayed with him that day. All the rest of them said, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. That's who they wanted. The crowd is headed the wrong way, friends. Stay with the word of God. Be different. The Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conform to the world. Be ye transformed by the renewing your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. It is His will that we stay with Him and with His word. Do not follow the crowd. The crowd is going to the left. The crowd is going this way. The crowd is in ditches. And by the way, there's ditches on both sides. There's ditches on every side of the road. There is ditches to go on to. You say, well, I'm not a Calvinist. Well, don't go too far because you will be. Don't be against the Calvinist. Don't be bitter against them. Be biblical against them, friend. Uh, There is a ditch on both sides. Uh, You say, well, I am against this and I am against that. Don't be bitter. Be biblical. Stand with the Word of God and don't go with the crowd. Amen. No matter how convenient things look on the surface, take some time to look down the road. Weigh out the circumstances of your decision and every decision that you make and I make has consequences. You say, well, it, well, how does it all have a consequence? Well, let me just tell you how. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 6, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. How about that? It means there's only one way. So God is not mocked. For whosoever, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall also reap to the flesh reap corruption. 
But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Isn't that good? The Word of God, friend. I tell you, some are short-term, some are long-living, some are eternal. But for Eve, Eve would have probably made a different decision. You think so? Eve would have probably made a different David would have probably made a different decision when he found out he was going to lose his boy. Right? Uh, I'm saying, Samson would have probably made a, a different decision if he'd have found out before that he was going to lose all his power. The touch of God. When he found out he was going to lose the touch of God, I'm sure he would have made a different decision. I'm, maybe even Judas would have made a dis- different decision when he regretted it and repented of it. I'm not saying Judas got saved because he did not, by the way. The Bible said that he repented of it. It was different, though. He didn't repent to God. So here's the thing, friend. Uh, here's the thing is that I bet you they all would have made different decisions. Uh, but I want, I want to have something to pass on to my boys. Uh, I want to have something to pass on to your boy. Uh, I want to have something to pass on uh, to the people ahead of me, friend. Uh, the Bible says, uh, listen, the friends who we hang out with does matter. The people who we're with does matter. I don't care if we work with them. I do not care. The Bible says, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly I tell you friend the thief wants to steal your testimony, steal your joy kill your testimony kill your joy and do all the things in your life destroy your family, destroy everything you got but I tell you if you'll stand by the stuff and stick with the word of God you will not go wrong name off his committed manner and his convenient moment it was convenient to him but he said, I will not do that. Then thirdly and lastly, I want you to notice the compliant motives of Naboth. Now the word compliant, you know that word. It simply means he is submissive to something. The compliant motives of Naboth. The Bible tells us clearly, a better vineyard than it, or if it seems. Verse 3, And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance my father's under thee. That, that word reeks, man. That word reeks with sarcasm. I love reading the Bible as the Bible's written. I believe it reeks in sarcasm. I believe it's full of sarcasm. But Naboth hears the offer of the king. And he refuses it. His refusal actually tells us a lot about the man that he is. It, you, know, you know, he seems to have good examples to follow after. I don't know, but it seems his character reveals this to us. I want you to look with me. Look with me. Think about it. His compliance to the word of God. The Bible says, as in verse number 3, the Bible says, The Lord forbid it me. Is that what he said? The Lord forbid it me. Well, he told Ahab that he could not sell his vineyard because God had forbidden him to do it. He's not supposed to do it. You say, well, preacher, where he's getting that at? Did the Lord just actually speak to him? Did he say, I do not know, but I'll tell you this. Numbers chapter 36 and verse number 7, the Lord actually did forbid it him. The Bible says, so shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. It shall not do that. It shall not remove from tribe to tribe for every one of the children of Israel shall keep him the inheritance of the tribe of his father. He's supposed to keep it. 
He's supposed to keep it. He said, no, sir. The Word of God told me not to do it. So I will not do it even for you. I want you to know tonight, this morning, friend, I tell you, if you are a Christian in here this morning, your first obligation is to God. Your first obligation is God. He gave us His Word to lead us. And find out what He is saying about a matter and walk in His will. Walk in His Word. Walk in His way, friend. I tell you, you never, you'll never go wrong and you'll never regret letting the Word of God be a guide to your life. You'll never ever go wrong with that. The Bible says it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'll hide its words in my heart that I will not sin against God. That's exactly what the Word of God is. You'll never, you'll know when those times come. When those times of compromise come. When those choices and chances come that you can take them and make your life a whole lot easier. Friend, when they come in your life, be compliant to the Word of God. He don't have to speak to your life in an audible voice. He don't have to say, oh, Brother Nick, don't do that. Oh, don't you dare do that. No, he just has to put it in his word. And he did. And so, therefore, it's enough. It is absolutely enough. His compliance to the word of God. Then I want you to notice this consideration to the work of the generations. Now, I want you to notice the Bible says at the end of verse 3, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. The inheritance of my, this land had been in Nabal's family for generations. It had been there. And if he sold it, there would be nothing for his children. And I believe his mind went to the generations on both sides. I believe that it went before. He said, my goodness, the generations before done so much work to get it to where it is today. And I want to keep it. And then he looked at the generations after. And he said, oh my goodness, what I have to do. So I've done so much work to keep it as it was. And I, Lord forbid that I'd give it to somebody that's just going to plow over it and just going to change it. Some of the people in my generation today are giving up what they got. They're taking the offer of the world. They're taking the offer of the flesh. I can name many of them to you. They're taking the offer of the devil. They're doing all of those things and they're changing their methods. They're changing their messages. They're even changing what they preach. Friend, I tell you, that's not God's will to do that stuff. They're watering down their message. They're leaving all of the old past and recovering from something because uh, they got hurt. Uh, friend, that is a lie and an abomination against God. Uh, it's against God's Word. Uh, it's against everything God's ever written down. Uh, they're still calling sinners repentance uh, and still doing all this, but I tell you they're standing their ground. Um, there's still people that is standing their ground. Uh, that's still preaching against sin. Uh, that's still preaching the Word of God, the King James Bible. They're still standing and they're preaching against the law, against the wicked and perverse world of this day and this hour. They're still doing stuff so that they might have something to pass on to the next generation. We must stick with the stuff, friend. We must stick with the stuff. It's easy to sit back and just take, but there comes a time when we need to step up and to give our all. For the glory of God. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about any of that. that. There's a time and a place for that too. But there's a time to give your all for the glory of God. And that time's now. His consideration to the work of the generations. And then lastly, his carefulness about the worth of the king. 
Now the Bible says at the end of verse 3, he says, I will not give thee, I should, not, I should give thee the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. <clears throat> Naboth looks at Ahab and he tells him clear as day, I tell you what, I'll never sell anything that I have to you. Hallelujah, friend. If you knew and Ahab's a wicked king. He was so wicked. Uh, and you read it on a little farther, but it seems there's some sarcasm in that word thee. Uh, and you know, at the end of verse 3 there, I believe there's Naboth telling Ahab, hey, I wouldn't sell nothing to you, king. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I bet you a lot of people, a lot of Christians today, if the president of the United States came to them because of his prominency, and said, sell out everything you got, they'd sell it. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> the President of the United States and everybody else stood up, and, and old Mr. Fauci stood up there and said, we need to put masks on, and everybody did it. What's the difference? <laughs> I'm just saying the truth this morning. Uh, Ahab was a wicked man uh, and Naboth refused to sell his land. Uh, but Ahab had sold, because Ahab, uh, he had sold out a long time ago. Uh, look at verse uh, number 20. The Bible says in verse number 20 of chapter 21, book of 1 Kings, uh, And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to the work evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 25, but there was none like unto Ahab which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Look at this, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. It matters who you marry. Amen, friend. I tell you, that's the truth. It tells us about his standing and Naboth valued what he had and he knew the king would not. That matters. Regardless of who wants what you have, they're not worthy to take it. Don't give up what you got. Amen? How much is your mind worth? What's your price? What is your price of your mind? Some have given it up for nearly nothing uh, at this day and this hour. They have filled it with the language uh, and the images of this world. Don't give up what you got. Amen? Y'all with me? Don't give up what you got. Friend, I tell you, 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 you see where people have wreaked their mind uh, over all of these years with this junk uh, that is going on in this world today uh, and just news and CNN and NBC and all this stuff uh, and, and they've got language that comes up and they still can't get rid of it. I'm telling you the truth this morning. Don't give up what you got. How much is your mind worth? Is there a price to it? How much is your testimony worth? What's your prize? Some have given it up for nothing. Some have given it up for nothing, friend. Uh, um, they have given it up to keep a friend. Uh, they have given it up to impress others. Uh, they have given it up to fit in. Don't give up what you got. I could care less what my in-laws and what my family and what my own family thinks of me. I could care less what my friends think of me. I tell you the truth this morning. We must stand with the Word of God. This is the only thing that's going to stand forever. Forever thy Word is settled in heaven. Forever thy Word is settled in heaven, friend. How much is your testimony worth? You got a price? How much is your life worth? What's your price? 
Some have sold theirs for nothing. They've made stupid decisions when they were young that haunt them to their grave. Don't give up your life for the cheap thrills of now. You with me? Don't give up your whole life for a few minutes of pleasure. Don't give away your life and poison your years so that you can't be used of God. Don't give up what you got. Preaching my heart this morning. I'm almost done. How much is your life worth? If there be a lost listener this morning, friend, how much is your soul worth? What's your price? Some have given theirs for perishable things uh, and some have traded eternity for sex and drugs uh, and alcohol and pleasures and friendships uh, or what they think is love. Uh, People don't know what love is today. Uh, Church don't know what love is today. Uh, Friend, I tell you, kids don't know what love is today. Uh, Nobody knows uh, much what love is today. Uh, But the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this. Then a man lay down his life for his friend. Uh, We love him because he first loved us. Uh, The Bible Bible says, but God committed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Somebody with me this morning, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is the love of God that brings us to repentance. It is the love of God that does the things in our lives. And people have left and left their, not worried about the price of their soul. And they've given it all for sex, love, money, drugs, pleasures, drunkenness, friendships. And those things will all perish, friend. The only thing you have of eternal value is your soul. Nothing in this world is worth losing your soul. The Bible says in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36 very clearly, For what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Don't give up what you got. Don't give it up. I wish I could tell you this story had a happy ending. But he said, I'm not giving up what I got. He refused to sell the farm, friend. He refused to sell the vineyard. He refused to sell the land. But he paid a high price for it. Ahab's wife, Jezebel, had him arrested on false charges. And Naboth was stoned to death. Verse 13, the Bible tells us very clearly what happened. And there came in two men, children of Belial. I want everybody to know that. And sat before him, and the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth. Present of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God, that's a lie, and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones, and he died. Naboth died. I really do wish this story ended on a happier note, but of course the Bible always tells us the truth, doesn't it? And if you refuse to take the deals offered by those who in this world uh, that, that they want you to have, you can expect to suffer because of it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will. 
And shall suffer persecution. It says shall, shall suffer persecution. That doesn't say it might suffer persecution. It said will, shall. It shall suffer persecution. And you might find yourself as the black sheep in the crowd. I do often. You might find yourself as the black sheep in the crowd. I go to all these things uh, and I'm the only one that seems like I'm dressed all right. I'm the only one that acting all right. Uh, everybody out, acting else like a, like crazy, like a crazy person. Uh, but I tell you, you might be made fun of in those times. Uh, you might be laughed at. You'll miss out on a few things that the experiences of the world may have around you, uh, but you will be a winner on the end. Hallelujah. A winner. I might miss out. Well, I've missed out on all the heartaches of living my life in sin. Missed out. On all the things uh, that this world can give me. You see, when all this happened, God sent the prophet Elijah to confront Ahab. Verse 17 through 24, you can read it. Elijah told Ahab that he would die and that the dogs would lick up the blood. He said, you're going to die and the dogs are going to lick up his blood in that very vineyard. He's going to lick up the blood. And his blood will cry from the ground. And that's just what it's going to do, friend. But I tell you, Elijah also told Ahab that Jezebel would die and be eaten by dogs. That's a crazy life, ain't it? But guess what? That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Then the old lead-along preacher, Micaiah, come in and preach the hide off of Ahab. And then he died. I'm telling you, friend, I'm telling you, so who is the real winner here? Uh, Who is? Naboth is the winner. Because he was in the presence of God when he died. What good is any kind of life that leaves you lost when it ends? I tell you, friend, where does this message find you this morning? Can we get somebody up here? Where does this message find you this morning? Are there temptations? And if you say there's not, then you're lying. Because there's temptations in all of our lives. Are there temptations to give up what you got? Bring it to the Lord this morning. You can stand to your feet, please. Do you have friends? Do you have friends? Do you have family that are giving up? What they got? They're giving up left and they're giving up right. Do you have friends and family that's lost that don't have it in the first place? You need to come pray for them this morning. Whatever it is this morning, Lord, lay on this, this on my heart to encourage you folks to stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Don't give up what you got. Nothing this world can give is worth. Give it up. What we got. What we got is a real thing, friend. It's real. There's people in this church that still, still, don't really have a firm standing on what they got. God help us. I'm telling you, we need to get a burden for the Lord from, from the Lord this morning.
Think about this. Four chapters. Four chapters prior to this chapter. Elijah was in a cave. He said, I'm done. Quit. There ain't nobody for me. Lord, I don't see no man. Because of the same queen, by the way, the wicked Jezebel. Because of all those things. And he said, man, I'm done. Done with this mess. Then he was able to go preach to this man. If he would have quit, he would have never been able to preach to him and tell him his future. Man, if we quit, if we quit right now, how many people will not get the gospel? If we, if we stop right now, how many people... Will not even hear a thing. How many? I don't know, but the Lord does. Tell you the truth this morning. We must keep on. Our standards should never be lowered. Not just dress. I'm not talking about Just our lively standards. Our standards should never be lowered in any way, shape, or form. Always higher. Always raised up. Always lifted because... That's what the Lord desires of our lives, friend. He desires for us to live a godly life. The Bible says, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Not by my words, not by my, my, my might. By your spirit, saith the Lord. That, that's the word of God. By His spirit, saith the Lord. By how He can do it. How He can lead our lives. We'll never crucify ourselves. He got to do it. Got to live that life, man. Got to live that life. I want my kids to see that. I want my, I want your kids to see that in our lives. And by the way, you might hear this same message in a few weeks. The Lord's directed my heart that way up there for that Friday night. It's going to be a little different, though. Directed a little more towards the kids up there. <clears throat> we can't give up what we got. Thank you for playing. We cannot give up what we got. had so many people there's a lot of people that hate me and I'm not bragging on that because I wish it wasn't true a lot of people don't like me for the way I do things if you'll stick with the word of God God's word will always stand those people going to die off one day you're going to die off one day but God's word will not if we'll stick with the word of God Bible tells us very clearly upon this rock I will build my church the gates of hell shall not prevail against it shall not he didn't build it upon Peter as the Catholics believe he built it upon him he said upon this rock who is he talking to they got it so messed up. They got it so messed up. Who was he talking to when he wrote that? He was talking to Peter. He wasn't talking to the crowd. He was talking to Peter. Do you think he's going to address Peter by this rock if he's talking to Peter? He wasn't talking to a crowd that says, Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. No, he was talking to Peter and Peter alone. He said, Upon this rock. I'll build my church.
church is the body. The church is the blood. The church is the brethren. The church is the building. And we must stand up in this day, in this hour, when everybody else is falling away and the world's coming to an end. The Lord will prevail and we must stand for what we have. Thank you for coming this morning. Sorry I kept you so late. I'm trying to share the burden of my heart for Scotland and trying to share the burden of my heart for preaching. I just want to get the will of God.